Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. And can you believe it? It's a Wednesday and an episode has dropped proving I do know what I'm doing from time to time, even though I am a massive idiot most of the time. Now, before we go anywhere, I do want to plug the fact that on Saturday, the episode with Jim Sterling went up when we addressed the state of the WWE. We got into everything. If you haven't listened to that one, I highly advise you go back and listen to it. Jim Sterling's views on wrestling are interesting and fascinating and awesome. It's my favorite episode I've done so far. I love chatting to him. I think we're going to have him on uh, after SummerSlam as well, which would be awesome. And we did have a brief discussion about maybe having him on uh, every uh, after every big pay-per-view. So SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, WrestleMania. And I think that would be great because I think his take is going to be not only different to everybody else's, but I think it should be... Um, yeah, I just, I just think he's, he just looks at wrestling in a really good way. So definitely go check that out if you haven't. Uh, I also did want to, if you listen to The Week in Gaming, which you should also go listen to, which is my video game podcast where we run down the last seven days in games, just search for The Week in Gaming in iTunes or whatever podcast thing you use. It should be there. If not, you can drop me a line on Twitter at Simon316. But I did just want to let everyone know the reason it has been a bit sporadic in terms of the episodes, and I'm going to make going to be much more stronger with it going forward. But it's simply put is that, as you know, a few weeks ago, a few months ago now, I, I kind of really started focusing on my own stuff, especially Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash Simon316. And that's what funds all this stuff. And as I said, on the week in gaming, at the moment, it's just not really where I need it to be so that I don't die. <laughs> so I did have to take some extra work on. And of course, you know, extra work comes with deadlines and stuff. So unfortunately, you know, it kind of got in the way of this, which is bad. I know I need to balance it better and I will do going forward. But I just wanted to use the opening section of this podcast to say, even if you could spare a dollar, if everyone listened to this, spare a dollar on patreon.com for summer 316. I know I'm begging and I know I sound like an idiot, but I realize sometimes you just got to, there's no point pretending otherwise, you know, to support all this stuff. It does cost a bit of cash. So if you could do that, that would be awesome. It's not a problem if not. We're going to keep on rolling regardless. Uh, if you already do pledge $5 or more, finally your exclusive episode is going up this week. So keep an eye out for that. And the poll for August episode will go up. I'm going to get that done ASAP too, just so it's done and we're up to date. Anyway, make sure you join the Facebook group as well. Just search for Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. Make sure you get involved in Mitch's Prediction League, especially with SummerSlam coming up. You want to be in there. And of course, if you'd rather listen to your podcast on YouTube, it's youtube.com forward slash C forward slash The Miller Report Rules or just search for The Miller Report on YouTube. Right. Oh, and also on Friday, the Ask Us Anything podcast goes up. So keep an eye on my Twitter for that. We're going to break down Raw and SmackDown this week as well as some other news and some stuff that's going on in New Japan. And then I put a, I put a tweet out just asking for some questions. So I thought that'd be a nice way to end to end the podcast. Now we're around two weeks out from SummerSlam. I actually think the show I mean I think the show's gonna be too long. We've got eleven matches so far. We're not gonna run them all down this week. We'll do that next week in case anything does change. But I actually thought Raw and SmackDown were decent shows. You could tell they were holding over for their go home shows next week. But I think more or less you know, they've got things in a position where SummerSlam, even though, again, it may be too long, should feel 
like a big deal. And I think that's important. I think especially at the moment with all the financials they came out with and the network and you know the, the numbers that they need, I think a real important sort of task that WWE is going to have over the next few years really is to try and make SummerSlam feel more like WrestleMania. Because if you are now sort of doubling down on this you know, we're going to have peaks and troughs because of the amount of people we get in for Mania, then what you really want to do is try and create a WrestleMania 2, and that would, of course, be SummerSlam, which was always the point of SummerSlam to begin with. That's your WrestleMania in the summer. So I'm hoping that, you know, they start to to build it up like that. And that doesn't mean necessarily I want it to be as long as, as it certainly seems like it's going to be, but hopefully that means we get good matches and we get good performances and people start to treat it like a big deal. I mean, if anything, it kind of would make more sense. It almost feels like it's too close to WrestleMania. I think that's the only problem. You almost want it in September, maybe even October, just so it kind of feels a little bit removed from WrestleMania. But, you know, it's still what? April, May, June, July. It's still four months. So, yeah, I mean, ideally two more months just so you're separating it by, by half a year. But I think that's really important that WWE do that. I think they really have to... And they certainly have been the last few years. And if you think back to each SummerSlam, there has been um, something to talk about. What was it last year? Was last year the Brock Lesnar, Randy Orton, I'm going to bust your head open? It was, wasn't it? So maybe that wasn't newsworthy in the sense that it should have been. But you know the ones that spring to my mind, and this is going back too far, but hopefully this was just putting the seeds in place. But you, know, you did have all the stuff with Daniel Bryan and John Cena, and on that card was CM Punk, Brock Lesnar. That was a great SummerSlam. Uh, and then you had, you know, the John Cena, Brock Lesnar stuff. Oh, God, I can't remember what happened in 2015. But, you know, my point being is hopefully we start to get surprises, big matches. Maybe you, you can even sort of, you know, do, do a bit of a reset after SummerSlam. There is this room where we're going to have another superstar shakeup. I don't necessarily mean like that, but, you know, everyone, everyone says that, you know, WWE starts again after WrestleMania. But maybe you could start doing that a little bit with SummerSlam too. So it'll be interesting to see. But I mean, I think the highlight of Raw for me was Reigns versus Strowman in the last man standing match, which was interesting because on paper, that's probably not the best idea in the world. We probably shouldn't be giving away, you know, half of the main event, especially because Joe did pop up to choke Reigns out for the finish, meaning Strowman won. But I thought it was such an entertaining match that I didn't mind it really. And obviously Brock Lesnar was on the show too. He came out and he beat up the Miztourage. And that, so it kind of worked in everybody's favor because it reminded you that Brock's a badass. And that when he is, you know, let off the leash, for lack of a better term, you know, he can whoop ass unlike anybody else. And he is a lot of fun. He's very entertaining. Reigns and Strowman had a very competitive match. Didn't have a clean finish. So it's not like you can argue that one's better than the other. And Samoa Joe, you know, took out Roman Reigns. So essentially, everybody came out the other side looking strong. And it has got me excited about that main event. You know, we don't see four ways very often. Thankfully, it's not an elimination match. It's just one fall and we're done. Because I just think that way you may have a few people coming out the other end looking weak. I don't want to get into it too much because we'll do that next week. We'll break down SummerSlam next week. But I think everything they did on Raw certainly made me think, okay, I'm ready for this. This could actually be you know, quite good. I certainly don't feel the same if we switch over to SmackDown with the Nakamura versus Jinder Mahal match. I know everybody's excited to see Jinder Mahal in the main event, but I just don't agree and I made a video for What Culture called, uh, you know, why WWE's failing Shinsuke Nakamura. And everyone's like, well, he's only just got there. He hasn't lost on TV. And now he's in the main center, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, bollocks. <laughs> I'm sorry. But if WWE really had a strong plan for Shinsuke Nakamura, 
He wouldn't have been involved in some nothing feud with Dolph Ziggler. He wouldn't have been involved in another nothing feud with Baron Corbin. And they were. I'm not saying they were bad, but I'm saying they lacked impetus and they lacked focus. And also, he would have come in day one. He would have kicked everybody's ass. He wouldn't be having any back and forth matches with everybody. And everyone's like, you can't do that. You can't have somebody debut on day one and be amazing. No, you're right. That didn't work for Goldberg, did it? Goldberg didn't come in and just slay everyone. And, you know, millions of people went, man, this Goldberg's pretty cool. And I just, I don't think they are, you know, Nakamura versus Jinder Mahal is not going to be the main event of SummerSlam. I actually think that could open the show. Genuinely. I think Jinder Mahal versus Shinsuke Nakamura could open the show. If not, it's going to be in the middle of the show because WWE usually like to split up their world title matches. And there's no way the Lesnar match isn't headlining. It is the better match. On paper, it's got more star power in it. And of course, they always treat the Raw title as the bigger belt. But I, I, that, that's, my, that's my thing. I'm not saying what they've done with Shinsuke Nakamura is bad. Far from it. He does feel like a superstar. And the backstage skit he had on this week's SmackDown was excellent. You know, he came across as charismatic and quirky and weird. And, you know, he was fascinating to listen to. And I thought that was great. I was, a, I was a real big fan of that. And there is something about Shinsuke Nakamura you can't put your finger on, which, of course, is the it factor, which, of course, makes you a big deal. But to say that WWE have done him justice, I just, I refuse to believe that. I don't mind. WWE can do whatever they want with him. It's their company. I don't care. I don't lie awake at night going, oh, my gosh, I can't believe Shinsuke Nakamura is not being pushed. But if someone's going to ask me or if what culture are going to ask me my opinion on that, absolutely I don't think they're doing, um, you know, doing right by him. He should have come in day one. And if you had him in a program with Dolph Ziggler, he whoops Dolph Ziggler's ass. And if you want to put him with Baron Corbin, I know Baron Corbin's a project, but Shinsuke Nakamura should still whoop his ass too because he's established and Baron Corbin's still, uh, still a work in progress. So I, I still think it'll be an interesting match. I just... And again, this is nothing against Jinder Mahal. I like Jinder Mahal. I think he's a really nice guy. But I don't believe anybody, you know, here we are, what, six weeks, two months, whatever it is, two and a half months into his title reign. I still don't believe anybody sees him as a legit champion. And that goes for WWE themselves too, hence why he's being booked how he is and he comes across like a secondary champion. I understand it's a business decision and they're trying to work into India, but I don't have to care about that. I'm some white guy living in England. It's, it's like... You know, I don't, it makes no difference to me what they do anywhere else in the world. I just watch it from an entertainment point of view. And as I've made the point before, even if they decided, all right, now we're going to have a big push into, into England. So we've got to make, say, Wade Barrett comes back and him the champion. Well, no, I don't want that. I don't, I don't want Wade Barrett just because he's, he's, he's a white boy with, uh, with a posh accent or whatever you want to say to, to be made champion. I want you to sell me that with his character and his personality and all that kind of stuff. That's what I want to buy into. That's why I believe John Cena can be a big deal world champion because he's treated like a superstar. And that's, that's I don't like it when we, we boil it down to colors and nationalities and genders. And I get it. Somebody said to me on Twitter, well, it's easy for you to say that <clears throat> because, you know, it's different. I, you know, I want to see people of, of, my, of a similar background, of my background being pushed. And I understand that, but I still... And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you can tweet me and say, Mill, you're, you're absolutely wrong. But to me, a star is a star. So Shinsuke Nakamura is a star to me, not because he's from Japan, because when I watch him and I watch him in the ring, I'm like, oh, there's something about this guy. Same with John Cena. Same with Samoa Joe. Same with... I mean, Roman Reigns does have something, but that's obviously a science experiment gone wrong. We could talk about that all day. And there are other people on the roster that have been given disservice, and that's 
you know, white dudes, black dudes, Asian dudes, Indian dudes. And it's, it's nothing to do... I just, I just think it's... At this stage, Jinder Mahal shouldn't be WWE champion anymore, but he should be taken to one side and a plan should be come up for him because he does have potential there, but he's just too high up the chain to kind of allow that to blossom because to do that, there's got to be a lot of trial and error and you can't do that if you're the top of the card. Anyway, mini a mini rant for you there. Um, but I, I kind of think it's almost like a juxtaposition when you've got Nakamura versus... And it kind of proves this point. You've got Nakamura versus Jinder. You know, they're, they're, they're two guys that have, um, you know, you know a different uh, backgrounds and heritage to, you know, I don't know, Anglo-Saxon man, <laughs> whatever you want to say. I know Jinder's from Canada, but obviously his heritage goes to India's and Nakamura's goes to Japan. And one guy I don't believe in just because of the way he's treated as a professional wrestler. And the other guy I completely believe in because of the way he carries himself and the talent that he has. And I think that sums it up. And I think, I don't know, we'll see what happens. I mean, they let they let Randy Orton just beat Jinder Mahal clean on SmackDown, which I don't think bodes well for anybody that's hoping Jinder Mahal will win at SummerSlam. Because I imagine they did that, so you start thinking, oh, he can be beaten. Maybe, maybe Nakamura can beat him. Nakamura is not beating Jinder Mahal at SummerSlam. And again, I think that sums up my point. No matter how well they treat him, they obviously can't think he's you know that big a deal if if they're not going to give him the title at this stage. And again, you could argue, well, it's too early. Is it? I don't think it is. I don't think someone like Shinsuke Nakamura that's got the charisma, the personality, and, and years of wrestling under his belt can't walk into the company and win the title. What do I know? Absolutely nothing. But no, I did I did like the the, the, the Rain Strowman Lesnar stuff. Um I also I'm enjoying the Ambrose Rollins shield tease as well i actually think it's too early to put the shield back together especially if roman's not going to be involved but i did enjoy i i do like i think i just don't i just think they i just think they work really well together they do have good chemistry which probably does come from the fact they're in the shield but i'd much rather they uh they they, they kind of get back together before they they split up because Dean Ambrose turns heel on Seth Rollins. That's just what I want. We've never seen that in the WWE. I think Dean Ambrose's character has kind of run its course by this stage. I think he does need something different. So does Seth Rollins, but we've seen Seth Rollins as a heel. I think we're done with that for now. I don't think we want to go back there, go back there too much. But I think the two work well enough together that we could go back to that feud with the roles reversed, and that would be really interesting, especially if Roman is not available for a fully-fledged... Uh, you know, come well, fully fledged return re- reunition with those guys. Reunition. <laughs> this is a new word I'm claiming. Obviously, the other way you can go with it would be that Dean and, and Seth win the tag t- titles from Sheamus and Cesaro at SummerSlam. Then they come out during the main event and help Roman Reigns win the Universal title. And that would be amazing. I mean, that would be the end to, an end to SummerSlam that really would cement it as a big deal, would kind of punish people that decided they didn't want to watch it. You'd hear about that and. You know, you go out of your way to see it. I can't believe that's going to happen. But maybe it could. You solve all your problems then. Shields back together. Roman Reigns would be over. People would love him. Who knows? But, you know, we'll get to that. We'll get to that next week. I think, really, on Raw, all the other stuff we need to touch upon is is when the women are involved, or the women. Bailey came out and let us know that she's got a legit shoulder injury, and she did get booed which is somewhat astounding in 2017, given where she was a year, year and a half ago in NXT. You know, 
I made a what culture video about this as well that'll be going up soon. I was never the biggest fan of Bailey, but then neither do I think that I should have been. I don't necessarily think her character was aimed at a you know man in his thirties. I can appreciate what she does, and I think she's very talented, and it's easy to see why she made it. But I think ultimately. Her biggest appeal was always going to be to to kids and specifically little girls because she does feel like your big sister. It feels like every time she got in the ring, she was fighting for you. And that's just a quality that WWE has never had before. And I think that has so much untapped potential in terms of merchandise and revenue and storylines. You know, she just came across as a really lovely, nice person that loved wrestling. And that's that's all it needed, that's all it ever needed to be. And it's so easy to get behind that because that was genuinely what she was like. She's just a really big wrestling fan. And the best thing about that is I'm a big wrestling fan and you're a big wrestling fan. And you always need that initial catalyst to make you warm to somebody. And if it is literally just what I really like wrestling, so I busted my ass and lived my dream, it's like, yeah, good for you. That's amazing. And the fact you you know you can also you know, put it on when you're in the ring. It's just the icing on the cake. But that's not how she's been booked ever since she's left NXT. Again, I've said this before. It's almost as if WWE thinks she is a child. <laughs> and they've misunderstood what the point of NXT, of her NXT character was. You know, as, as opposed to being, oh, I, I appeal to kids. I am a kid. And it's like, what? No, you're, <laughs> what are you talking about? So, I mean, the fact she's getting booed because she got a legit injury is bad. I actually think this could be good. I think she probably needs to go away now and rethink. Not, not her rethink, but I think there needs to be a rethink when it comes to Bailey, and she needs to come back differently. There's rumors that she's going to go heel, which I just don't think is going to work, but I guess she's already being booed, so who knows. But uh, I thought that was a real shame. And I just thought everything else... The women, the problem with the women's stuff on Raw is that it always feels like everyone just gets thrown into the, you know, into the mixer. Like Much like the way they treat the cruiserweight divisions. You know, they're not part of the show. They kind of exist in their own bubble and they will all be thrown into the same segments or as many as them as possible will be thrown into multiple segments as opposed to the men that are allowed to you know, have individual stuff. I don't know why we can't do that for the girls. Obviously, we had two triple threat matches on Raw... Uh, and then the winner of each go on to next week's show to then face off. And then the winner of that goes on to SummerSlam to face Alexa Bliss. So it is going to be Sasha Banks versus Nia Jax. And I get, I kind of get that. It's a nice way to get through to SummerSlam and make sure you use more people. I more mean it in general. They do that a lot when it comes to the women on, on Raw. But it was fine. Maybe Sasha Banks versus Alexa Bliss is a better match anyway than Bailey versus Alexa Bliss, given all the stuff we saw with Alexa Bliss and Bailey with kendo sticks and this is your life and all that kind of nonsense. But I thought it was a decent show. I thought Raw was good. I know a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of other stuff went on uh, on the show, but yeah, I think they were the, they were the main talking points. Obviously, the Hardys weren't there because either Dash or Dawson is injured. I can't remember which one it is now. They've torn their bicep. And that's a real shame for the Revival. Because when the Revival debuted on Raw, they really felt special. Like, took out the New Day, you know, whip, really whipping ass. And then Dash or Dawson hurt their jaw. And now Dash or Dawson's hurt their bicep. I'm hoping he doesn't need surgery. I don't know if that was announced today and I've missed it. Because Raw needs tag teams. And I was really quite excited about seeing, uh, about seeing that. Maybe we should talk about Enzo and Big Cass, actually. If you don't know... As an offside, as an offshoot, apparently Enzo has nuclear heat on him right now. 
Because apparently the Enzo you see in the ring isn't that far removed from the Enzo you see backstage. I can completely understand why that would piss people off. Imagine you were tired and worn out and you had that guy just ranting and raving. and be like, please, dude, shut the flip up. Um, so that's interesting. But obviously he sells a lot of merchandise and he does good, uh, he does good ratings or so they say. So that's an interesting, I mean, how much that can actually protect him, I don't know. You know, how much he's actually affecting business to the point that he can be protected from backstage heat. Again, it's a, it's a question I don't have the answer to. But I don't, I just don't like what they're doing at the moment. All they've really done is take away Big Cass put Enzo with the big show, and then they're having these weird fights every week on Raw. And we're going to get to SummerSlam. Enzo's going to be put in a shark cage, and we're going to have Big Cass versus the big show. Why Enzo needs to be in a shark cage, I don't know, other than the fact there's merchandise to sell. Got to sell that shark cage. And it's gone from a feud that I thought was really good, really well thought out, good twists and turns, to something I just don't care about. And I hope that Big Cass beats the big show, and we continue on with the project to see where we can get to with Big Cass. I actually think he could do all right. I think he's a lot better than a lot of people give him credit for. And also, if Enzo is getting himself in this much trouble backstage, Big Cass is probably quite happy that he's not in that situation anymore. Because you don't want to be associate, you know, guilty by association. You don't need that. Especially not. Especially not Cass. So I'm not, I wasn't massively into that, but, you know, what are you going to do? Other stuff on SmackDown, uh, moving across to there. Cena versus Corbin's now set for SummerSlam. Again, weird feud. Kind of just feels like it was meant to be Cena versus Mahal, but then Cena got this Transformers thing, so now they've switched out Naka to where Cena's going to be. And obviously Naka was feuding with Corbin and Cena's fit in there. I'm sure it'll be a good match, but who wins? I don't think you should have Cena lose twice, because then when he does lose to people like Shinsuke Nakamura, it's going to mean less. You can have Corbin lose. He's the money in the bank holder. He could even cash in that night, potentially. But it seems silly to job Corbin out to Cena. It's fine. I'm one of these guys that actually would prefer to see Cena in a bigger role at this point because I think he does bring star power and he does bring magnitude. And I think that's what's missing from WWE at the moment. But if he is going away to film something, then yeah, you can't do that. So it's fine. I did think it was weird that Orton beat Jinder Mahal, but we've touched on that. I am kind of intrigued about Orton versus Rusev. My only worry is that Orton hasn't had a lot of wins recently. So I worry he's going to lose to Rusev at the pay-per-view. And if he does lose to Rusev... Uh, sorry, the other way around. If Rusev does lose... It just goes to show that WWE doesn't care about Rusev. And that upsets me so much because, as anybody will know, if you've ever watched any of my Rusev-related shoutings, I think Rusev is the most underrated person on the roster. To me, Rusev has all the makings of a top guy, be it face or heel. I think he has the charisma, the personality, the wit, the promo skills. You know, he even makes bad segments good. So I don't want him to lose to Wharton, especially because it means he's lost to Cena, even if it was a flag match, and then Orton is just... It's not a great way to come back into, into SmackDown. But we'll see what happens. We'll see where he's at next year's WrestleMania. Maybe we need to give them more time. But yeah, that 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 did upset me. I was a bit like, hmm, I don't know. I don't know if I want to see them. Do I want to see Orton versus Rusev? It's not the most exciting match on paper, but you know, at least Rusev is in. They they see Randy Orton as a big star. So at least uh, at least uh, Rusev's being put in that kind of bracket and not against somebody like I don't know, Ty Dillinger. Ty Dillinger as well, who's also now teaming with Sami Zayn and losing as a tag team. It's like they put two people together that are massive losers, but you can still lose. We're not, not going to have you win. You, you still lose. Uh, so a lot of people seem to be excited about that pairing. To me, it's just because they don't know what to do with either of them. 
And it's almost like they're going to be lower mid-card guys forever. I don't mean... I, that, pff, this sounds a bit horrible. I don't mean it like that. Not massively bothered what they do with Ty Dillinger, just because I've never really been a Ty Dillinger guy. Obviously, I hope they push him properly, because I think he obviously, he obviously has talent. But I'm more concerned about Sami Zayn, because I think Sami Zayn can be doing a lot more than he is currently doing. And I think it's a real shame. That they don't see that in him. They kind of just see him as a geek. So what are you going to do? Kevin Owens and AJ Styles stuff continued. Obviously, Styles accidentally Pele kicked AJ... Um, Pele kicked himself. Shane McMahon, who's going to be the special referee in the match. This is obviously leading to something. What I don't know. The rumor is it may be a Team Owens versus Team... Uh, Shane McMahon match at Survivor Series. But surely it should be Team Styles versus Team Owens and Shane McMahon just happens to be on AJ Styles' team. Because you don't want Shane McMahon to overshadow AJ Styles, though of course he would. I'm not necessarily against that. I don't mind Shane McMahon being involved in major matches. I just don't know where they're going to go with Kevin Owens and AJ Styles now. You know, after the whole back and forth and weird finishes. What you do now with that, I don't know. And I think you could make the argument that Kevin Owens versus AJ Styles, which on paper sounds incredible maybe hasn't lived up to the expectations that some people thought it would do. Maybe. Still good, but just maybe not as good as uh, as as some people thought. But look, two decent shows. I think WWE right now is actually quite fun to watch. Um, you know, the Raw ratings are up. I don't think the SmackDown ratings are up are out yet, but I bet they've held steady or if not gone up. I know it helps because competition's gone down, but I also do think the product has got a lot better. Actually, that does remind me, we've got to talk about Jason Jordan. You know, the biggest tease, the biggest storyline, the biggest angle of the summer already ran out of steam. No one gives a shit about Jason Jordan. The van, people in Vancouver cheered a Canadian guy over Jason Jordan, which they're always going to do, even though he's a jobber. And I mean, I don't, I don't blame anybody. They've kind of he has no real connection with Kurt Angle other than Kurt Angle put him in a match. We never find out who was sending the text messages to begin with, so it does feel like an unfinished storyline. The only way they can save this, and this is nothing original coming from me, is if it turns out it was all a ruse by Jason Jordan, and he did this to try and get his name out there and to take a huge step forward. And obviously that would lead to him feuding with Kurt Angle, which would probably result in very good matches and give Jason Jordan a proper rub. But I certainly don't care any more about Jason Jordan than I did before. The problem is, is that he's just too unrealistic. I don't mind soap opera storylines in WWE, but in a world of social media, in a world of 2017, this was too much. This is too much to buy into. I know that Jason Jordan isn't Kurt Angle's son, no matter what you tell me. I'm never going to believe that. So that was a shame. Crowd booed him too. Surprise, surprise. But we'll see what happens. They could prove me wrong. It's still early days. It's still early days. Uh, the G1 tournament in New Japan is going on as well. Or as I've written here, the GQ tournament. <laughs> it's definitely not the GQ tournament. Now, I've only seen the odd match here and there just because I find New Japan very hard to watch. I don't mean in terms of actually watching it. I mean in terms... I know there's New Japan World and stuff like that, but it's neither here nor there. And by all accounts, it's been very good. Everything I've seen has been awesome. It's you know We're now building up to a card or Omega 3 which you would imagine that Omega will win. And I think Omega, Omega goes into the finals with Naito, is it? I don't know. I can't. It's too difficult to keep up with. The reason I bring it up is that, you know, I have trying to be, been trying to keep up with it this year, which is the first year I properly tried to, to try to keep up with it. And it is a spectacle. Like, it is incredible to see these guys hammering it so hard every night. 
Um, you know, you can tell they start to run out of steam and stamina and they start to get you know, really hurt after a while, which is kind of difficult to watch. But it really does feel like a sporting contest. And I think, you know, New Japan right now is, is hotter than it has been in ages. They're coming off the back of those Long Beach shows. And it's just, um, it's just a great promotion, really. And it's, it does have a bunch of talented people and they have their own style, which they stick to. And I think that's the most important thing. If you're looking for, for a, a non-WWE wrestling product, New Japan offers that, but they also stick very rigidly to what they believe to be a good wrestling product. I think that's important because I do think there's some other promotions out there that maybe sway here and there as and when they think it would be appropriate. But New Japan, they book in advance. They know where they're going. You know, they already know what they want for Wrestle Kingdom next year, I would imagine. And all of this is tying in to where they want to go. I mean, in my world, it all ends with Kenny Omega winning the IWGP title in January at Wrestle Kingdom. But maybe that's a bit too obvious. I don't know. They do have a 30-minute match coming up, which does tell a story in itself, because obviously the last two matches, you know, one went about 50 minutes. The other one was a one-hour draw. So it's like, well, what the hell happens in 30 minutes? You know, Kenny Omega couldn't beat, has never been able to beat a Carter in 30. So what does he do? Does a Carter hold him off? Do they go to a draw? There's a lot of questions there. So it has, it has been a good tournament. And in weird news, apparently Ronda Rousey is in training to be a pro wrestler. And make no mistakes about it, if she's in training to be a pro wrestler, she ain't doing it for GFW or TNA or Ring of Honor or New Japan. She's training to be in WWE. Maybe at Survivor Series is the rumor with a Team 4 horsewoman, whatever they'd be called. That would be interesting. If that happens, that would do very good business. Regardless how much Ronda Rousey lost or, 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 or anything like that, it hasn't hurt her appeal as a superstar or as a draw, especially if it comes with the quirky addition of, oh, she's a wrestler now. So I imagine WWE are uh, watering their mouth over that prospect. And I'd like to see it. I, I like, for lack of a bit of times, the, uh, what do you call it? The, the freak show aspects of wrestling, as weird as that sounds. You know, not, not, not even of wrestling, of sports. So even the, um, in the McGregor versus Mayweather fight. I love that too, because it is almost like it shouldn't be happening. So it, it is wrapped up in this nonsense. And I, you know, I think the nonsense is quite fun. So we will see. Anyway, that's pretty much everything that's been going down the last seven days. I don't think I've missed anything. I don't think anything too major has happened outside of that. I mean, if it has, it can't be that, you know, that big simply because it hasn't, you know, come on my radar. I don't think there's any updates with the Hardy. I mean, the Hardy's started doing the Woken stuff, which was, <laughs> which was, uh, which was bizarre. I mean, look, if that's a way to get round it, then fine. I, at this stage, I hope they can just start doing it. I'm a bit bored of... Or, or, no, that's not fair, because it's nobody's, it's nobody's fault other than TNAs. But I'm a bit... No, bored is not the right word. I just... I kind of want them to sort it out now. But it's not the Hardy's fault, and it's not the WWE's fault. That's on that's on TNA or GFW or whatever. But they, you know, at this stage, we'll wait and see. But anyway, I want to do a Q&A just to get your questions in and answer and answer some of those. So uh, we've got a few here. We're just going to run down them. If you ever do have a question, you know, at Twitter, at Simon316, and I'll answer it as best as I can. Uh, the first one does come from Wrestling Review, which I'm sure is your real name, which is, where do you fall on the debate associated with Jim Cornette about comedy and wrestling? Do you think it's harmless fun or killing the business? I think there's too many problems in the world to be worried about somebody having a joke in wrestling. 
I see what Jim Cornette means. Jim Cornette means if you don't take the business seriously, how is anybody else going to take the business seriously? And okay, great. I see where you're coming from. However, it's just not important enough to me. I don't mean wrestling's not important enough to me. I mean if somebody wants to, like the Omega match he had a few weeks ago in the G1, if he wants to tie his feet up and have a match and make it funny and it's entertaining, then why the hell wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you do that? It's professional wrestling where the whole thing is made up to begin with. Why on earth would you take something that can be so incredibly creative and so incredibly quirky and so incredibly weird and go, well, we shouldn't do that because it's not serious? That to me is just a really strange way to look at the world, especially something like, I say, pro wrestling, which is designed to be fun. And surely it's that classic thing of there is something for everyone and therefore we should make sure we're giving something for everyone. So of course the main event of WrestleMania should be serious. Of course you have to take that seriously so I'm able to suspend my disbelief entirely and buy in. You know, it's like we said with the Kurt Angle, Jason Jordan stuff. You should do that. And I'm glad WWE did that, but I still think it's a failure because I can and maybe that's a bit different because they want that to be taken seriously. That's not meant to be comedy. But So there, there is a, a grey area here, and people can sound like a hypocrite when they're talking to, talking about it. But I absolutely think you should have the joke sections in wrestling. I don't think it hurts somebody's credibility. I just don't care enough. And again, not in a bad way, but it's just not a big enough issue for me to be upset about. It's, it's meant to be fun. It's meant to be silly. It's meant to be quirky. Do I want main events like Austin versus The Rock? Of course. But do I want silly stuff as well? Absolutely. Otherwise, what is the point? Why would I want the same thing over and over again? So I guess in that sense, I don't agree with Jim Cornette. But maybe that's just because I'm a self-aware wrestling fan and I'll watch whatever I want to watch as opposed to... It doesn't really have to win me over this stage. I'm probably just going to watch because I like pro wrestling. But no, I don't think we should can that stuff. I think it's like a terrible idea. It's like a terrible idea with life all around. Life's too hard and life's got enough problems and it's hard and it's difficult and you're up and you're down. So pro wrestling can have a guy wrestling a doll or a little kid and you're going to watch it on YouTube and crack up. Awesome. If you then want to hold a grudge against Kenny Omega, that is completely up to you. I personally think that may be taking it a bit. Maybe you need to take a breath and go for a walk. But we'll see. Francis Reyes says, who would you send back down to NXT from the main roster? Well, I'd send Enzo. And I would, I would send Enzo and I'd just make him a mainstay of NXT. NXT is no longer a developmental territory. It's served as that and it's used as that. But it's now a third brand. So I don't think there's anything wrong about picking a few stars and saying, you're our NXT star and building the company around them. I understand it's smaller arenas. and There's the issue with finances. But to me, Enzo can be a superstar. I know he's a big deal on Raw, but he can be a super, superstar in NXT. On Raw, he's only going to be the little guy that gets beaten up. That's what he's going to be. Vince McMahon is never going to look at him and go, that's my champion. That's my hero. That's my superstar. So if NXT needs bodies and you want to keep pushing that, you want to tour and you need attractions, why not send somebody like Enzo down there to lead the charge. And then there are other people that I think could go down there for mini rehab, such as a Dolph Ziggler or a Zack Ryder or a Sami Zayn. I'm not saying they should stay down there because they shouldn't, because I think they still have potential on the main roster. But I think using it as a refresher course almost or to allow people to, to chill out from their characters because they're, they're feeling stale on the main roster... Why wouldn't you do that? That just seems to me like a great way to use NXT above and beyond what it already is. 
But that's what I would do. And I think you could cycle this as well. And I also think it would probably give the guys some time off, which is another argument that, you know, we can have till the cows come home. We will see. Daniel Torkel asks, Simon, what is, your what is your prospective finishing move? I have no idea about that. It's hard enough coming up with a tyre. So at the moment, a finishing move is... We'll, we'll come up with that when the first match is in and it's time to start thinking about it. But I've said this before. As a kid, I always wanted to do the pileplex, which is a suplex into a, into a pile driver. And it has been done. I've seen it on YouTube, but you kill guys. So I probably wouldn't do that. You're, whoever said this, I'm sorry, your name has fallen off my list. I apologize about that. Uh, with the success of the Bullet Club and NWO, do you think WWE would benefit from having a relatively large stable again? I love stables. I loved Evolution. I loved uh, yeah, the NWOs you've mentioned. Who else? I was never a big DX guy. Don't know why. I mean, I liked them, but not as much as some. Uh, I love the, the Nation. I love it when you take loads of guys and, and throw them into a big group. I just think it's fun. And I think if you can have a good group to go against them, the Shield. I mean, you're, obviously you're talking about bigger stables here because NWO is massive and Bullet Club is massive. I would say four is the maximum. I know it works with the Bullet Club and that's great, but they're also in multiple promotions. I think if you're going to have just one group in one promotion, you don't want to go above four. And three people and a manager, I think, is, I think is spot on. But I would like to see more of that. I just think, A, it gets more people. I mean, the problem we have with WWE is the roster isn't just, it's not strong enough and it's not deep enough to do that. I mean, it, it is to a certain extent, but I just think that's just going to take away more bodies that could be used over longer periods of TV time. And on Raw especially, the last thing you want to do is be eking that show out even more because you've run out of people to use. But yeah, I would like to see more stables. Absolutely. I think that would help with the tag team division as well. I, I'm surprised that the success of the New Day, and again, I know they're more of a tag team than it, but they're still a group. I'm amazed the success, and they still do incredible merchandise numbers, didn't inspire more teams like that. But who knows? Who knows? I mean, the Miztourage is, is kind of that. But again, it's not... That, to me, still feels a bit like it's not being treated as seriously as it, it could have been or it should have been. They're basically jobbers already. So who knows? But yes, I, I think they would benefit from it. Uh, Chop the Viking. Do you think the women's wrestling scene in the WWE could be freshened up by turning to unused classic finishes? Imagine Nia Jax with a choke slam. I guess that would be good. <laughs> I don't think that's going to solve all the issues. But no, I don't think finishing moves in WWE are necessarily a problem. I actually think if you take a step back, there's quite a lot of good finishing moves in WWE. Obviously, RKO is over like Rover. Uh, the spear, you know, when he does hit it, it does look good. All of Braun's offense looks good. She, uh, Samoa's got, Joe's got the clutch the clutch over. So, no, I don't necessarily think the finishes in WWE are bad, but who knows. Mark Roy Day, will you be appearing on the new MOS with Lawrence Lee and Martin? I hope so. If you don't know what the MOS is, it's Ministry of Slam. It's back. Just search for Ministry of Slam on Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Definitely go check those guys' show out. It's the first wrestling radio show I ever did. And Lawrence Lee Martin and AJ, if he's going to be on it, are awesome people. But yes, hopefully I can uh, I can get on there. I, there's a huge Facebook group I need to I need to chat to them about. But you know, a lot of things have been going on. Uh, Amir Tagan, what's one move you're scared about doing? Anything with a flip, anything with a flip is terrifying. Even a sunset flip, which you see on TV all the time, when you're actually asked to do one, and you, you know you think, okay, I've got to jump over this guy then tuck my head in between his legs, grab him, and then sit on my ass and roll, it's hard. And I did do it once where I jumped, mistimed it horribly, and plowed my head into the mat, which I'm very good at wrestling training. 
But yeah, anything with a flip is scary. Even something like a hip toss is a little bit scary because you don't think about it. If you land wrong, you bite your tongue. <laughs> and, that's, and that's horrible. So anything where you take off is a little bit scary. And I think we're all conditioned to assuming that it's not because we see it on TV so much. But I can tell you firsthand that those kind of moves are very intimidating. And it takes a lot of balls to do them. So, yeah. We look for. I don't think you'll be seeing me do much stuff off the top rope. How they do those flips, I will. I will never know. James Walterson, where do you see the WWE in five years? I think it all depends on the network. I'm sure their long-term plan was to take Raw and SmackDown, not necessarily off TV, but definitely feature them more on the network. You don't want to do that entirely because as soon as you put that before a behind a paywall, how do you get how do you get new viewers? You don't. You know, nobody's going to start watching Raw if they think you have to pay ten dollars just to just to get in you know, on ground one. But I think it all depends what happens with their TV deal, which comes up in 2019. It all depends on the success of the network. By this stage, I don't think you're going to see any drastic changes unless, you know, USA really cuts down their budgets or a competitor really gets hot and somehow competes with WWE, which I personally just don't think is possible given how successful they are. So I think in five years, it's more or less going to be the same if the status quo stays how it is because they do make money, you know, even when they're having not even a bad year, but not as good as years they expected, such as this year, they will do stuff like cut out pyros or cancel network shows just to make a bit more money so their shareholders are happy. They're still going to get to the end of the year in a very successful position. And if they can get through to, what, 2022, would that be? Yeah, in the same position, they probably will. And I imagine it would just be a new bunch of wrestlers and, and the wheels will keep on turning. That could change. Like I say, they lose a deal, money drops, ratings get really bad. Then, yeah, of course, you've got to take a step back and think about things. But I don't necessarily see that becoming too much of a problem by then. Maybe around then you start seeing hints of it. But I imagine in that year, things are more or less the same as they are now. Mara Nicole, who do you consider to be some of your wrestling influences? That's a very good question. I mean, Bret Hart is Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin are my favorite wrestlers of all time. How they've influenced me, I'm not 100% sure. I'm sure Austin influenced me in the way you hold yourself as a wrestler and the way you don't play wrestler and your intensity and you know making sure you're believable when you're in there. And I'd like to say that Bret Hart has influenced me from a technical level, but he definitely hasn't because I'm shit at that stuff. But I'm sure there are aspects to both of them that I hope I'm able to take on. Uh, the Rock, obviously, in the way that he used to carry himself, I think is important. Chris Jericho, in terms of the way he reinvented himself. The Undertaker, in terms of believing a character. I don't really know who has influenced me when it comes to wrestling. I'm not sure. Maybe I'll have a better answer for that when I'm actually doing matches and have defined my character a bit. Because then maybe I could dip into something really weird then. Maybe I look at someone like Stan Hansen and go, oh man, Stan Hansen did all this cool, hard-hitting stuff in Japan. Maybe I should... You know, maybe I should be influenced by that. Because they're my, they're my favorite wrestlers. Basically, the ones that, you know... Even someone like Ultimate Warrior, I, I always I always think about. Because, you know, he knew how to get a crowd behind him. He knew how to jack up a crowd. So, I don't know. I think about that. I'll get back to you. Peter Goldwyn. Who was the first wrestler to capture attention and bring you into the world of wrestling? Well, it was Bret Hart. I was... I think I was about eight years old. My dad had just got Sky, of all things. Because it tied into his job. I was flicking through channels. I saw this guy in pink and black. I was intrigued. I was like, why is this guy wearing pink? And I saw him move around the ring. I saw the way he carried himself. Heard his entrance music, which I loved. And that was it. I thought there's something about this. And I, I just never stopped watching. And I'm sure that's the same story for a lot of people. It just it had its hooks in me. And 
I was away and here I am many years later and I'm still watching I'm still watching professional wrestling probably more entrenched in it now than ever but yeah Bret Hart was was the guy and then Stone Cold Steve Austin when he blew up just yeah that was it changed my life uh Adam James Kenny Omega in the WWE will it happen and will it work out well, you can never guarantee it will work out because it all depends how he's used and what and what mood they're in that day. I think he will go there eventually just because I think he's so talented and I think he'll be given such a good offer he can't turn it down. I think he could probably follow I think he'll for, probably follow what AJ Styles did. So have a big impact, big splash, be put in a lot of main events, but ultimately never be treated like a super superstar. And I know AJ Styles is the top of the card, and I love AJ Styles, but it's much like Nakamura. He's not treated like John Cena, is he? And I imagine Kenny Omega will fall into that bracket. And I do think that's a shame because I think all three of those guys should be treated like a John Cena. But they weren't Vince McMahon's creation. John Cena was. And that will always be the thing holding the other three back. Even though their success in other promotions is probably what got them to where they are, because they weren't made in the WWE, that will always be held against them. Terrence Elliott. If you were to create a faction, which four to five wrestlers would you pick? Can be worldwide Current WWE slash NXT past or present? Well, to tie into other questions, I'd obviously put Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin there because they were my favorites. I'd put Classic Undertaker in there just because I loved him as a kid. I put Kane in there because then you've got two big guys that can whoop, whoop somebody's ass. Then who would my fifth one be? Mr. Perfect. Don't know why. Just love Mr. Perfect. So there's a bizarre stable for you. Stone Cold Steve Austin, Bret Hart, Mr. Perfect and Kane and the Undertaker. <laughs> Useless. Uh, Jaden Earnshaw, any thoughts on this year's G1 tournament so far? We talked about that. Again, way too hard to keep up with, but obviously clearly brilliant, clearly excellent, clearly clearly something that WWE should look at and, and, and try and apply to King of the Ring, I think. I don't think there's anything wrong with, uh, you know, making a sporting contest, even a fake one, feel like a sporting contest. I think it gives it something extra. Christopher Devereaux, not pronounce your last name, right? I'm sorry. Do you think the Fashion Files is more or less effective way to get over compared to quality in-ring work out of the current main event scene? Well, this turned, this ties into what the whole Jim Cornette thing. It absolutely is a great way to get over and exactly why we should have this stuff on the card because if you can get over by being entertaining and being funny and doing good skits, then that's what you should do. And if that makes the fans warm to you and then when you come out for your match, they're behind you, there's nothing wrong with that. So I don't think it's either more or less effective. I think you need to look at the people you have, look at the wrestlers you've got, and adjust to suit. What can we do to make sure we give these guys the best chance to succeed? In this sense, Tyler Breeze and Fandango were given the opportunity and they smashed it. They've absolutely smashed it. Big fan of those, both those guys and those segments. Don't even care how it ends at this stage because they've entertained me for weeks now. So that's okay. Hilariously, Dan Meller asked, do you think stables should come back? And which wrestlers would you like to see in one? Well, we've done that. Any wrestlers, really. Anyone that's not being used, put them in a stable. That's why I was excited to see Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel get put in a stable because I thought, finally, they were going to be used. But no. Also, Bo Dallas is a bit crazy. Go listen to Talk is Jericho. Jake, who do you think are the next three NXT stars to break to the main roster? One male, one female, and one tag team. Well, the male's got to be Bobby Roode. I mean, he's 40 years old, which isn't a knock on him, but you'd have to imagine it's better to get him up there sooner rather than later. And he's, he doesn't need to be in NXT right now. There's nothing that he is going to learn in NXT that he doesn't already know. So definitely Bobby Roode. The female's got to be Oscar. I know the rumor has always been she's not meant for the main roster, but come on now. When you've got someone that different and that good, e.g. Shinsei Nakamura, surely you've got to give him a shot on Raw or SmackDown. 
So her and the tag team. I like the Authors of Pain. Now that DIY brought up, I don't think the Authors of Pain should be brought up just yet. I think they need more work and more tweaking. But I think there's something there. And I think put with the right team, they have some damn good matches. So they'd be my picks. If you said someone, three people have to come up tomorrow, I, I would choose those. As a card, what would your favorite dream match be with the worst wrestlers in? Jeez, that is a question and a half. What would your favorite dream match be with the worst wrestlers in? Well, for starters, I don't deem anyone to be a worst wrestler because I know how hard wrestling is. So even if they get in there, I respect them. But my dream match with worst wrestlers, I'm trying to get wrestlers that I like that aren't used. See, I don't think Goldust is a bad wrestler, but he's not treated well. So I guess now I can't... The, oof, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Maybe Repo Man versus Doink the Clown. There you go. My dream match would be Repo Man versus Doink the Clown. Mitch Adams, is WrestleMania 24 the most underrated Mania ever? I'm too biased to answer this because I was at WrestleMania 24 in Florida and I thought it was great. And it is very underrated because you got Ric Flair retiring. His match with Shawn Michaels was awesome. You know, you're in the big Citrus Bowl, which WWE kitted out to make it look amazing. You've got the awesome main event with Taker versus Edge. You've got the great money in the bank match. I think that's the one the CM Punk won, I think. I'm not 100% sure about that. But it was a really, really good WrestleMania. So I think there's definitely an argument to say it was underrated. Um, not a lot of people talk about it other than Ric Flair's retirement. But maybe that's why. Maybe that just overshadowed, overshadowed the event. But it is very good. If you've never seen WrestleMania 24, you should definitely watch it. It's very watchable. And I really enjoy the Shawn Michaels-Ric Flair match. I think in terms of capturing emotion in pro wrestling, it's spot on. So, yeah, that's very, very good. Uh, the, the next five questions, for some reason, the names have just fallen off. So I do apologize to those people. Would you wrestle in WCPW? Absolutely. As I said in my recent training vlog that you can get on What Culture Wrestling, I've never had that conversation with them because I don't think it's fair. I think I have to get to a stage where they think I'm good enough and they you know, deem me worthy of that brand. But, of course, I would. To me, in a way, given my age and my, my brittleness, that would probably be my WWE in terms of goals because I'm never going to make the WWE realistically. So WCBW would be good. The best wrestling match I ever saw, Ric Flair versus Shawn Michaels retirement match would be up there. I was also live for the one-hour Shawn Michaels versus John Cena match. They did a UK uh, edition of Raw. That was very good. And I saw Shinsuke Nakamura versus Sami Zayn when Nakamura debuted in NXT, and that was excellent. I mean, that was really good. So in terms of live matches I, I saw, those three would definitely be top of the list. They were really good. Uh, do you think Brock Lesnar can ever have a good dream match, seeing as he won't go longer than 10 minutes? Well, that all depends on what you think of Brock Lesnar's sub 10-minute matches. I love everything Brock Lesnar does, if I'm honest. Um, like, I mean, I, I really, really do. I, I think that any, any, any time Brock Lesnar's on screen, I get a kick out of it. And I don't see why people get down that. I love what he did with Goldberg. His Dean Ambrose match was a, was a low point, sure. But I feel when Brock Lesnar is out there, it feels real, it feels legit, and I enjoy seeing him. So I think if he's got any kind of dream opponent, I'd enjoy it because I enjoy Brock Lesnar. I do seem to be one of the few, but to me, he's still got star power. He still feels like a big deal. I don't personally want him to lose the Universal Championship at SummerSlam. Again, not a popular opinion. I like Brock Lesnar. What can I say? I'm a Brock Lesnar guy. Do you think WWE could benefit from having more managers on the main roster? I think it all depends. Obviously, Paul Heyman works very well. Titus O'Neil is working well as a manager, to be fair. So, yeah, probably. I'm just trying to think who fits that mold, though. Who do you get in to do then? Enzo would potentially be a very good manager. That's essentially what he's doing for Big Cass. 
you could argue that would actually have been a better split that, you know, they just decided to switch up the roles. But yeah, I think probably, I think yes and no. I don't necessarily feel like I'm missing them, but I imagine if more were brought back and put into good roles, I'd appreciate them being there. So I'd like to see more managers, yeah. Is John Cena in the top 10 all-time greats? Not not necessarily my personal top 10 greats, but I think if you were going to do a more subjective one, then yeah, I think probably John Cena has to be. He's been on top for arguably longer than anyone. You know, he's in like Bruno San Martino range at this point. Always drawn money. Always, you know, sold tickets. He does cut a good promo. When he is in a big match like he was against The Rock, it's exciting. I certainly, he's definitely in the discussion, yes. I know a lot of people don't like him, but... Again, it ties into what you think a good professional wrestler is. Don't have to be amazing in the ring. Just have to have something about you. And John Cena has that. And I think he's proven that by being the top guy for so long. Even now he's the top guy. He may not be in the main events, but you know when he's on a show, it does better ratings. It sells more stuff. His merchandise does well. He's the man. And he's probably going to be the man for, for, for a while. Even with his, his you know burgeoning movie career. I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. So, so we will see. Thank you very much for everyone who did ask a question. I will do that once every few weeks. I'll just throw a tweet out there at Simeller316, and I'll answer as many questions as possible. Again, if you are on iTunes, please review this. Please rate us. Please do go listen to the Jim Sterling episodes. I really did enjoy that. Uh, the Facebook group, Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. Get involved with Mitch's prediction lead, especially before SummerSlam. You're already behind at this stage, so you've got to have a blinder to get back in. All of this is supported by patreon.com forward slash Simon316. Again, if you could just spare a dollar, maybe two dollars, who knows, you'd be doing me uh, the biggest favor in the world. And I would really appreciate it. And I do want to point out, every time I do get a little ping and a notification, I am humbled by the fact that somebody has decided to support my creative endeavors. It means the world. It allows me to do this to begin with. So thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Do go listen to The Week in Gaming. Just search for that on any podcast uh, app you've got. And yeah, this Friday is the Ask Us Anything podcast. Keep an eye out for that. That is our rating. That's all I'll say. If you're offended easily, 